Welcome to the Untold Hour. It's me, your boy. What's up? It's Bowser. But look, it's not another Bowser solo. What did I call them? Bow Wow Solos? Because I'm going to have a wonderful guest on today's show. This is the Halloween special. Do you understand that? This is the Halloween spesh. And my guest for the spesh is actress and friend to me, Olivia Taylor Dudley. We're going to be having a discussion about things that scared us when we were kids. And not just horror movies and things that should have scared us as kids, but those weird little like half dreams you remember, things you saw on late night TV that you shouldn't have seen, uh, a character from a cartoon that freaked you out. Maybe Large Marge will make an appearance. Uh, Spoiler alert, she will. So we're going to be having a discussion after I get into some weird of the week. Now, how's this for a headline? Self-cloning mutant crayfish takes over Belgian cemetery. Honestly, I kind of want to stop there and not even read the story because the headline is crazy enough. And here's how the article starts. Totally cray, period. Self-cloning mutant crayfish have taken over a cemetery in Belgium. Oh, more than one. Crayfish, plural. Hundreds of the marbled crayfish, which are always female, have invaded the historic Schoenselhof Cemetery in Antwerp. Quote, it's impossible to round up all of them. It's like trying to empty the ocean with a thimble. Oh, what a good metaphor that he had ready to go. It's like trying to empty the ocean with a thimble, said Kevin Shears of the Flemish Institute for Nature and Woodland Research, told the outlet. The creepy crustaceans experienced a mutation around 25 years ago that allows them to quickly reproduce by themselves, enabling entire populations to spring up from a single one and dominate lakes, Ponds and rivers, uh, and cemeteries, my guy. The four-inch creatures then feed on plants, snails, and amphibians, depriving fish and other aquatic species of food sources. Once owned by German pet collectors in the 1990s, they do not naturally occur in the wild, the outlet reported. So, it's likely the, the latest invasion started with one that escaped from someone's home. Do people keep crayfish? Huh? As pets? Someone apparently had the animal in their aquarium and then set it free in a canal, Shears told the Brussels Times. Often people get tired of their animals or the marbled crayfish population is getting too large at home. That would freak me the fuck out. If I walked into a cemetery and there were hundreds of crayfish just running around, I'd automatically assume they were some kind of breed of demon spiders. Oh, food and wine. Food and wine is not normally a subject that makes its way into Weird of the Week. Well, that's not true. We talked about the green tea-flavored Czech cereal, didn't we? Well, here's a weird article from Food and Wine. Oreo built a doomsday vault to protect its recipe and cookies. The global Oreo vault is just down the road from the famed Svalbard Global Seed Vault in Norway. These articles are really testing my pronunciation skills. Since 2008, the Svalbard Global Seed Vault 
in Norway has served as one of the last lines of defense against the annihilation of plant life on Earth. The secure facility built into the side of a mountain, that's cool, holds over one million seed samples, offering hope that if all other existence of a crop is wiped out, a final backup will still be available. This is great if you want fruits and vegetables or whatever, but what if you want cookies? What a really casual sentence on food and wine. This is great if you want fruits and vegetables or whatever, but what if you want cookies? With that in mind, Oreo grabbed some land right down the road from the Svalbard Global Seed Vault and built its own Global Oreo Vault. Bring on the apocalypse. All right, food and wine. That sounds like uh, something that would happen in a Richie Rich comic strip. He finds the fucking Oreo Vault. Announced on Friday, the Global Oreo Vault is, in the words of Oreo, really real. Though it is significantly smaller than its seed counterpart, the cookie brand says this Oreo-focused facility holds just the Oreo recipe and a large stockpile of cookies. Okay. I'm, try- I'm trying to wrap my mind around why the... F- I get why the physical vault is needed for the storage of these cookies, but there's a physical copy of the recipe? I guess that's just in case the infrastructure of all of our fucking tech goes down and we lose the internet we lose everything digital on earth and the only way to procreate oreos is to find this physical hard copy of the recipe wow but if all hell does break loose on our planet know that you'll always find the world's best-selling cookies at the coordinates 78858.1 north 16159.7 east whether you'll be able to find some milk well that's a different situation entirely Man, Food and Wine is really putting sauce on this article. It's like they don't get to write funny articles often, so they're going all in on the bits. The Vault is a silly idea backed by an even sillier set of videos on YouTube featuring actors portraying Oreo executives. But despite the tongue-in-cheek tone to the advertising side of the project, the brand apparently really did go the extra mile to assure their cookies are safe inside. As an added precaution, the Oreo packs are wrapped in mylar, which can withstand temperatures from negative 80 degrees to 300 degrees Fahrenheit and is impervious to chemical reactions, moisture, and air, keeping the cookies fresh and protected for years to come. Meanwhile, the whole scenario is based on a real, of very slim threat. Back in August, the official Twitter account for NASA Asteroid Watch posted that a very small asteroid, known as 2018VP1, had a 0.41% chance of entering Earth the first week in November. Even So wait, they're doing this because they think an asteroid might strike the Earth? Well, this article should be about how all of us may die in November, and not about how Oreos will be safe. Jesus Christ. Even NASA pointed out this asteroid, oh, wouldn't cause any threat. Well, then why even fucking include it in the article, Food and Wine? It would disintegrate due to its extremely small size. Cool. So, in other words, cut it out of the article. Still, Oreo apparently decided not to take any chances. And regardless, now that the vault is built, we shouldn't have anything to worry about moving forward if a bigger one is ever on a crash course. So this is only in case of asteroid? This isn't just... For any other apocalyptic reason, man, I mean, it's still tight, but that was a weird article. Now, we're going to end on a sweet and spooky note, okay? We don't often get sweet and spooky, but this is sweet and spooky. Hudson PEP teacher, Hudson Pep, huh? Hudson Pep, 
teacher brings ghosts to class with spooky science experiments. And I don't know if the photo in this article is from the actual class. Oh, it is. It is. But man, these kids are loving it. Spooky science experiments. I would have been all over that. I don't remember a fucking goddamn spooky thing ever happening in my elementary school. I remember we did a Halloween parade, but I don't remember it ever really integrating into the classroom outside of book fair where I got my first copy of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which might make an appearance during my discussion with Olivia about things that scared us as kids. Hello. Foreshadowing. Okay. Claire Holdridge's classroom was filled with ghosts on fire and vomiting pumpkins Monday afternoon. Ah, that's tight. Every year, the Hudson Pep Elementary School teacher demonstrates spooky science experiments to her students who were excited, scared, and amazed during the presentation. She said she scours the internet for hours, finding new projects to show her students, though some are favorites she does every year. Her first experiment in front of her first grade class was a floating ghost. Holdridge took a tea bag, cut across the top, emptied the tea grounds, and made a cylinder shape with it. She then, after drawing a face on it, set it on fire. Hell yeah. Holdridge told the students the oxygen inside the cylinder shape gets burnt up, which makes the paper float like a hot air balloon. Her students begged her to do it again and again, and she obliged another two times to their delight. For the next experiment, Holdridge cut a piece of tissue paper in the shape of a pumpkin and taped the edge of it to the edge of the table. She next asked for an assistant, and a student bravely let Holdridge rub a balloon against her chair to create static electricity. Holdridge then hovered the balloon over the pumpkin and made it rise on its own and do sit-ups. She also made a carved pumpkin throw up with vinegar, baking soda, and food coloring. Jesus. If that if my science teacher had done that, first of all, I don't remember having science in elementary school, right? But if I had science in elementary school and that happened, that would have blown my fucking mind. I would have come home. My parents would have said, how is school today? I would have been like, I mean, they fucking made a pumpkin throw up. It was fucking tight. Uh, that would have been, ooh, that would have been top, top, top tier memory from elementary school. Um, she also made smoke with dry ice and warm water and poured the smoke into a bowl. One of the favorites is her ghost rocket. Sign me up. Holdridge took plastic film canisters, drew ghosts on them, mixed cornstarch, water, and Alka-Seltzer tablets. Once she covered the canister, the gas would build up and cause the canister to shoot up in the air. But Holdridge saved the best for last. Whoa. This is a lot longer of an article than I expected it to be, and I'm sorry. But it's all worth it. Because we finally got to ghost poop. That was the student's favorite experiment. She saved it for the end of class. Each student was given a styrofoam packing peanut, which their teacher told them was ghost poop. God, that would have fucking lit me up. I would have been like, are you kidding me? This right here. This is ghost poop. For real. Woo! Uh, She said she knew it was so because they could make it disappear. The children submerged the styrofoam in warm water and it would disintegrate. I would have been like, yeah, I don't care about that. Uh, Holdridge said the students are excited to see it every year, and her favorite part of spooky science is the look on children's faces. Also, didn't know that if you put styrofoam in warm water, it would disintegrate. Maybe I need to go to Claire Heldridge's class, Holdridge's class, and learn a thing or two. They need to see science being used in a fun way, and they also need to see us having fun, too. I want them to know that we want them to have fun. And also with science, a lot of it's sitting down. I mean, the teachers here are awesome, but it's still nice to do something completely different and totally crazy. Wow. We don't do like a hero of the week or who won the day on the untold hour. But if we did, Claire Holdridge, 
from Hudson Pep would win the fucking spooky ass day. Okay, let's rip and dip into my conversation with Olivia Taylor Dudley about things that scared us when we were kids. Olivia, are you here? Hello, Andrew. I am here. (laughs) (laughs) I am really excited to have this conversation because I was scared a lot as a kid. Were you a scaredy kid? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was a brave scaredy kid. I like looked for scary things. Right. I'm sure you did. But I was often, I was scared by everything. But I think that's why we both like horror because it's thrilling. Yes. And did you have experiences as a kid, like doing Candyman in the mirror or saying Bloody Mary? Or were you like, oh, I, I won't fuck with that? Or I were did you that? Did you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think I talked about this when I was on your podcast years ago. On you might have. Yeah, because like I, I would have like a seance every year for my birthday. Right. And friends over, which is, you know, after a few years is why I had no friends. But I grew up on a haunted ranch, so everything, yeah. all that stuff was really interesting and fascinating to me. So, yeah, I did it all. Do you think you might be the person in some kids' memories that was, like, the spooky chick? Like, we had a friend who lived the next street over named Ashlyn, I think. And uh, my sister would always be like, I'm going to Ashlyn's house. And I'd be like, oh, God, oh, fuck. Because Ashlyn would do seances. And she said there was a ghost in her house and that it drew lipstick on the stairs once. Do you think you were that kid? One hundred. Other... <laughs> yeah, That's great. I, I know I was. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's I mean, got to feel like an honor to have been that kid for, for friends of yours when you were a kid. Yeah, I loved it. But my grandma was really weird. And so was my mom. And... Where I grew up was weird. So for me, being weird was like the way to be. So um, yeah, being creepy and weird. So I didn't know. It was a way of life. What? It was a way of life. Yeah, it was a way of life. Way of life. Way of life. I think I was the kid that was uh, sheltered and not really allowed to watch scary things because of religious uh, oversight that then I had to like shake that off and find the spooky mm-hmm. for myself a little bit later. But when I was retracing some of the things that scared me as a kid, I did remember I always sought that shit out. I always sought that shit out as a kid. Um, yeah, it's not interesting. We come from completely different upbringings as far as that. Yeah. We ended up in the, a similar place, loving it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's start with uh, you. No, let's start with you. <laughs> I knew you are going to. All right, <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. Now, I'm going to start with my most obscure uh, character from the most obscure film. And I should say to our our listeners that uh, I'm going to try to put up links to images and wiki entries about the things we're going to mention, especially if they're obscure or a little off the beaten path. But I had a memory uh, from an animated film that I watched with my sisters when I was a kid that was about a tiny little unicorn. And there was a witch... That turned, fuck, I don't even know if the unicorn was, it might have been a a human that turned into a unicorn. This witch was fucking shit up. That's all I remember. And it turned uh, this girl's parents into wooden people. 
And then they all, the wooden people, like, floated up and went into a castle that the witch lived in. And unless I'm inventing this, there were little human shapes cut out in the castle so that the wooden people could just float right into the castle. Does that make sense? The last unicorn. It's not the last unicorn. Oh. It's it's it. That's what I always said for years. I was like, "Oh, it's the last unicorn," because someone said that to me at one point when I described it. But no, it's 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 this movie called Unico: The Fantastic Adventures oh. of Unico. I don't know that one. And when I tried looking up the character, uh, I realized it's not a witch. It's. A character named, oh, I've had this tab open all day. Okay. <laughs> it's a character named Lord Karuku. Wow. And, um, okay, this is weird, though. Hold on. Because I'm blowing my own mind as I, oh, yeah, okay, Unico is the, is, this is fucking confusing. Sometimes when I've looked this up, it's been, it said it's from the movie Unico. Now I've looked it up and it says the character is from the movie Annabella and Friends and the Island of Magic. And that Unico is just one of the characters in the movie. Oh. So maybe at some point it was called Unico, the movie, but at other times it was called Annabella and Friends. Um, who the fuck knows? I don't know. But Lord Karuku is turning every living thing into living puppets. Because he used to be a puppet himself. I didn't realize it was a he. I thought it was a female witch in the movie. And he was owned and thrown away by bad people. So he wanted revenge on them and the rest of the th- of the living things on Earth. And Annabella, Unico, Sherry, and Mars have to team up to beat Lord Kuruku. I'm going to send you a picture of Lord Kuruku in the Zoom chat. And you tell me if this is familiar to you or if you're like... Uh, nah, I've never, I don't fuck with Karuku. All well, right, I just know it because I watched every unicorn base, but it was a, it was a unicorn still, right? Yeah, Unico oh. is a little baby unicorn. Oh my goodness. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. He gets wild in the movie. He's oh, always fucking creepy. He's always wide eyed and he looks like he's like fucking tweaking out and. Do his hands always glow different colors or just. I think when he's doing magic. See, I thought you when you when we talked earlier and you're like the last unicorn, I was like, yeah, the witch is crazy, but the witch is my great aunt plays the witch in that movie, so it's never scary to me. What? So I was like, what? Yeah, Angela Lansbury was is my great aunt, and she plays the witch in the last wait a unicorn. Minute. And wait, I know wait. a lot of people are freaked out by that character. But wait, have you ever told me that your great aunt was Angela Lansbury? I don't know. It's by marriage, so no. Angie, yeah. No, I don't know if I've ever told you that. What? That's a wild detail to not know. She's so cool. Yeah. Well, that's what confused me is because if you look up Last Unicorn Witch, there's a freaky-ass fucking witch in Last Unicorn. Yeah, and I think they probably... I mean, it seems like the Last Unicorn must have stole from this or vice versa. Probably stole from this. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but I think it was one of those movies, there was this weird time on like Disney Channel where they were like licensing, you know, Japanese films and Canadian movies. There was this weird time on the Disney Channel where the kind of shit that popped up was like, where the fuck is this movie from? And I think it yeah. was one of those. Back when um, Disney Channel was real fun. 
Yeah, back when it was real fun when you could turn it on and be like, all right, I don't know, you can't do that on television? Oh, no, that was Nickelodeon. You can't do that on oh, television. Yeah. yeah. They got a bunch of weird fucking Nickelodeon, uh, Canadian shit. So Lord Karuku is is my first uh, freaky childhood memory. What's yours? Okay, well, I'll stick with the cartoon then. I'll start with my mine's, Okay. Mine is a specific scene in Lady and the Tramp. Okay. There's a scene where this rat breaks into the house, breaks into a house, and uh, I think it's trying to kidnap a baby. I don't remember. It goes in the baby's room. I I specifically didn't look this up because it actually has scared me my whole life, and I don't know why. Wow. It's simple. There's nothing, nothing crazy happens except for Lady knows that this rat is going in the house, and Tramp hears this, that she's upset, so he comes. And he goes in the house and there's this creepy scene where he goes up the stairs following this rat with glowing red or green eyes. And he go the rat goes into the baby's room and it's crawling all over the crib while the baby sleeps. And for some reason that scared the shit out of me when I was little. Even oh, though I'm I, watching I, I it. had rats growing up. Like I'm not afraid of rats. There was just something so sinister about him. Are you yeah. I just brought it up and I don't remember this scene. I don't really remember Lady and the Tramp very well, but it- He's freaky, man. Yeah, he's scary. I don't know. They're just, it just is stuck in my head. I, I don't, I could probably could find, I was thinking about this when you asked me to do this earlier. I'm like, there's so many classic horror scenes that are terrifying in movies. And I don't think any of those are on my list of things that have severely affected yeah. me as an adult. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not the things you would think of. It's, no, it's all these little moments that imprint on your brain and create like just forever moments that you can't get yes. rid of. And that's one of them. Because I think as a kid, you're, you still have the, uh, you know, like I've had people tell me, um, oh, I'll say, oh, I liked this horror film. And they're like, oh, really? It didn't scare me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it didn't scare me either. I've been scared since I was fucking eight. Dude, right. I don't, I can't rate something based on that anymore. But when you're a kid, there's still shit that gets into your brain that's like, oh, is this possible? Like something that just came to mind that wasn't even on my list, but now I'll fucking add it to the list is, do you remember the Jabberwocky scene in one of the live action Alice in Wonderland movies? Uh, from, Dude. Wait, when... Okay, it's from a movie called Alice Through the Looking Glass, which was a TV movie. And there's a scene where she, it honestly, your Lady in the Tramp scene kind of reminds me of it. Gets very because it, it's about when something gets really dark that had been like bright the whole time. Yeah, like Lady in the Tramp's pretty, you know, fun and whimsical, but then that rat scene, it's all in shadows and rain yeah, and light. What it is, I think, when you're little, like. You know, when you're little, everything feels happy and like until that gets shattered. And there's always these moments as you grow up where you realize, oh, that's look back and think, oh, that's the moment I realized rats can come in the house and kill babies. Like, even though that's not what happens, that's where you're breaking. <laughs> right. And your imagination is so big when you're little, but you're innocent. So like as your innocence shatters combined with. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, exactly. It's like. I don't know. I think that there's a couple of other things on my list that I know woke me up to the idea that like things could get bad. Yeah. Y'all good? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my dog is just chasing his tail and he's being loud. No, I don't mind. Um, 
so in the Jabberwocky scene, yeah, Alice is sitting in this bright room, and uh, and then all of a sudden it it like through a you know, lighting cue gets dark, and then she starts wandering around and she looks in the mirror and this giant fucking demon dragon puppet steps out and starts walking toward her. And it's such a goofy puppet. I I put it in the chat. It's such a goofy puppet. Uh, nowadays, when I look at it, I'm like, the fuck, goofy ass Jabberwocky. But when I was a kid, ooh, man, it made me shit myself. Wait, are you bringing it up? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, fast forward yeah. to when the lights go out. And uh, so the rat scene, it freaked you out. It did it, but it didn't make you scared of rats. It just it just gave you that dread-filled feeling that you can get as a kid when you're spooked. Are you watching the Sorry, walking? I got distracted by that clip. That's awesome. Wait, that's not a stupid puppet. Well, I just mean oh, it's, it cle- is. it's clearly yeah. a dude in a suit rolling yeah. around. Um, but yeah, that it's similar. It's just it's just when everything is bright and happy, and then all of a sudden the lights go out. And that's what happens in the Lady in the Tramp scene. He's all backlit. The only light in the scene, I think, is like light above the stairs and like Tramp follows up the rat up the stairs and there's shadows and I don't know. Yeah, it really freaked me out, that one. I think about it all the time. Every time I see a baby, there's two things I think about every time I see a baby, and it's that scene, and it's the scene in Labyrinth when Toby gets kidnapped in the beginning. Because it's similar. There's something about babies being in a crib and being helpless, and I'm not really like a big baby person, but that that always freaked me out. I think because I have memories of being in my crib. I have really vivid memories of that age. Yeah. You have memories from the crib? Oh, Yeah. Like, what kind of memories? Well, I just remember my crib really well, and I remember the view from inside my crib and seeing people come in and out of the room. I remember wow. the smell. I remember the texture, the lighting in my bedroom. Yeah. Isn't that is, weird? Isn't that rare? Most people don't have memories from when they were crib babies. Yeah, that's what my therapist says. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I used to lie and say I remembered being medevaced from the hospital when I was born because they thought I had a blood disorder and I had to get medevaced. I had to be put in a helicopter and sent to another hospital ASAP. Yeah. And I and when my mom or dad used to tell that story, I'd be like, and I remember that helicopter ride vividly <laughs> to this day. And people were like, you do? And I was like, yeah, it was crazy to be a baby, a newborn, flying like that. And uh, uh, I don't remember it. No, you just told that story so many times you created a fake memory. <laughs> and I do. Like, I, yeah. I I picture the same helicopter every time I fake tell that story. Isn't that fascinating how that happens? Fascinating and fucking terrifying. Yeah, because then it's like, which memory is real, Baz? And, and how much have I invented in my life? Yeah. I mean. I, I think about that a lot now in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. And their memories sometimes, especially as an adult, you've got memories that you, you've, like, built your personality off of you've even oh, yeah. like maybe even experienced like hardship from it's and then you're like identity oh, and then you realize it's not even real right like First talking to someone from high school yeah. talking to someone from high school and being like i remember you you fucking hated me in high school and you bullied me and they're like i never bullied you you didn't oh maybe i made that but that's also it could just be people gaslighting yeah, yeah. um okay no wait now i don't even remember whose turn it is because if labyrinth well, okay I kind of combined. I feel like I have a couple that'll be combining. Oh, okay. Well, Labyrinth should have been on both of our lists. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because 
Wait, I have another one for Labyrinth as well. So yeah, we tell me. I, I'm sure. Going. No, do you I'm have sure one? I know. What is it? When they take their heads off. Oh no! When they're jumping around dancing. Yeah. Loved that scene. I was like, they fucking took their fucking heads off. I was <laughs> freaking out. You know what? I think I was scared as a child, but as an adult, I really love it. So I don't remember it. Yeah. Like, I remember that scene. It definitely affected me. But I think I love puppets so much because I collect weird little puppets. So I think it was more thrilling scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's the other... Wait, let me try to guess the other Labyrinth moment. So you've already said when Toby's first stolen. Are you talking about when they're... Oh, I, well, I know the other Labyrinth moment because you told me earlier. Yeah. And I agree. It's the junk lady. It's the junk lady. And yeah. The junk lady is deep for me because I grew up, my grandmother was a hoarder and that was just normal for us. And yeah. everyone in my family kind of has that, myself included. Um, but the junk, the junk lady was like, every time she came on screen, I don't know, I was like projecting my grandmother or somebody on her in my family that that could be what could happen to us even though nobody right. told me it was bad to collect things but i mean we have buildings full of shit like more shit than it's it's embarrassing so uh, she really scared me and and she i mean obviously she shatters her world literally yeah. in that scene that whole scene would just kind of blew my mind in that movie and i think about it all the time that would i don't have any specific reason why it's scary other than it affected me and that's the thing yeah. with all these weird old movies, like scenes from movies that affect us. I don't have, it's not scary for any, that's not a scary scene. I don't think it's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be weird. I think it's kind of supposed to be scary because it does give you that vibe of like, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's uh, a reality was false for yeah, her. exactly. And it fucks with your mind. You think it's like that scene in, um, um, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, this is another one that scared me as a kid. Um, do you remember Flight of the Navigator very much? Um, or at all? Oh, wait. Is it, yeah, Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, I remember, but not. I don't remember any scenes. You'd have to remind me. It's like a, the kid gets taken up on a spaceship, and he, right. uh, the little robot AI on the spaceship is voiced by Pee Wee Herman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was all in. Um, but, I feel like I loved that movie. Yeah, it's great. And I think Sarah Jessica Parker is like the nurse at the hospital the kid's in or an attendant at a institution he's in. I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But uh, at one point he goes to a different timeline, but he doesn't know. Or, or no, he goes to the future. Ah, fuck me. He goes back to his house and basically his parents do not know who he is. And they're like, I'm sorry. Uh, or it's that his parents aren't even at his house. Either way, it's a similar vibe where, like, the thing you thought was real is not real. Yeah. And I well, remember as a kid a, being like... There's a theme here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big... The rug getting pulled out from under you as a kid. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about a lot of... You know, not to go too deep here in the Untold Hour, but I think even talking about, like, trauma or, uh, you know, when a kid finds out that there's a divorce and... and yeah. You've built this world that involves these people kind of always acting a certain way. And then when that gets shattered, I think that's why sometimes that stuff doesn't manifest till you're older. And you're like, why do I act this way? I mean, talking about my therapist, my therapist has told me plenty of times, like, oh, I think it's because you felt things subconsciously that a reality was shifting. 
that you weren't aware of as a kid, but you could feel it. So the yeah. emotion got into you and you internalized some things. And that's why you have some issues. So the junk lady was terrifying for me too, but I think the most terrifying thing was, yeah, when that, like the walls come apart in her room or whatever. And yeah. Holy fuck. You're just like, where, whoa, 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 where are we? When you're little, all you have are your four walls. Like your bedroom is the biggest yeah. the whole world. And yeah. What if that was, your, I mean, I watched Labyrinth literally every day for at least for years. Yeah. So that, yeah. But that scene, I was probably scared of other scenes in that movie, but um, that one, uh, I uh, eventually, that was the only one that stuck is actually scary. I wonder if kids' movies are scary anymore. I don't think they are. Honestly, <sighs> I don't think they are. I don't think they are. They also don't I... use puppets like they used to, and puppets are real, and puppets really scare me. Great segue into a story that I have about a friend of mine who has four children. Uh-huh. And he has started showing them some of the classics. And they recently watched E.T. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, they've watched all the Marvel movies. So they've seen planets get torn apart. They've seen Thanos strangle Thor, you know, or kill That's Loki. Scary, though. Right. They've seen all that shit. They watched E.T. Could not sleep. Yeah. They were like, I'm just wondering if he's like in my closet or because, um, you know, he was in the closet in that movie. And my friend was like, I've never even seen my kids affected by any movie. And then he realized, like, none of it really lands as physical. It does all register as a cartoon because all of those movies are so, uh, what's the word, like synthetic? Uh, None of it feels real. They feel, yeah. The practical movies are tangible. Practical effects are always better. Yes. I mean, CGI, I think, you know, we've talked about this. Yeah. But yeah. You just can't feel anything. Yeah. It doesn't need to be scary. It doesn't need to be big, big and bad and fancy. It literally just needs to be a lighting change and some weird thing kind of moving towards you. It's so simple. And not to be this guy, but I will be this guy. If you watch the 1982 thing... Yeah. And then you watch the rebate or the sequel or prequel, whatever, from like 20 something. Um, Never saw it. Yeah, there's admirable things that are presented in it. But I, if I watch The Thing with Kurt Russell and a man's chest splits open, it makes me go, ah, every time. Yeah. Right? Because it was practical, rubber, prosthetics, whatever the fuck you want to slap in there. But the new one, all digital, and I don't, my body doesn't even react because my my brain is like, it can sense that it's not real. It just doesn't even, I don't care if the other looks like rubber. It still feels more like something I can grab. Yeah, it's like the scene in Alien, the fucking face grabber. Like that scene is terrifying and it still holds up because it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, okay, to continue to slap and trap it down the scaredy kids lane, mm-hmm. um, let me bring up another one, even though I don't know technically whose turn it is. And it I don't kind either. Of it's kind of melding into many. It's things. melding into one. So the next thing I have um, is it, th- this haunted me for ages. Uh, and it's a scene from a movie called Curse 2. The bite. 
Now, I have talked about this on the Untold Hour before, or maybe I talked about it on Bizarre States, but one time when I was a kid, and this was when I was getting into that curious stage of wanting to see something that I shouldn't see, uh, I snuck down and turned on the TV at like 11.38, and, uh, oh, remind me to go back to kids' movies being scary after this. I turned... Entire move. This entire podcast is about. Yeah, but there was a specific. Uh, I had a, another conversation with a buddy of mine with kids. I'll just say it real okay. quick. I had another conversation with a buddy of mine with kids, and he showed his his uh, kids the Goonies. Oh yeah. And he was like, I didn't even realize how scary that movie could be for kids. Also, kind of how edgy it is. They cuss. There's messiness in it. And he said, my kids were like thrilled. And he said it's because they sit there and they watch shit that has no level of threat. That's so safe. It's just like, you know, washing over them without ever making them feel da- in danger. And I think it's important that kids feel that in a safe way, which is watching a movie. Yeah. Fear is important. But... It is. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you wanted to say more. I do, but I'm like, that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> Fear is important. Lady Taylor Dudley. It is. Uh, so I snuck down and I turned on the TV and this image came up. And I feel like I should go through this quickly because I've told this story many times. There was a little girl walking down a hallway. She was holding a toy sword. And then she went into her parents' bedroom and there was a cottony, webby cocoon in between them. And have I ever told you this story? I don't know. And she she pokes at it with a, with her sword and it like splits open and all this goo comes out of the cocoon that's in the middle of her parents in their bed. And then I just shut the TV off. And I was like, well, that's why you don't turn the TV on late at night when you were told to go to bed, <laughs> motherfucker. And I went up and got in my bed and pulled the covers up. And like that night had a dream that I was walking down the hall and then I went into my parents' room and there was this cocoon and the goo came out. And I woke up screaming and I had that nightmare I mean, probably 30 fucking times. Yeah, man. And as an adult, could not find what movie it was from. And I posted about it on forums. I talked about it on social media. I talked about it on podcasts. And sometime, I think maybe two years ago, in deep in one in a Facebook thread on the Bizarre States page, uh-huh. somebody said somebody said, It sounds like the curse too, the bite. And sure enough, I looked it up, and that is exactly what's it what it's from. Wow, victory! Victory! And I tell you, I rewatched it. I rewatched that scene, and it is pretty much exactly what was in my memory. You'll have to send it to me. Because... I'll send it to you. The yeah. only difference is, I didn't stick around for what happens after the cocoon fully splits open. It's not a cocoon. It's like a cast, and it's on the father's arm, and it splits open, and his arm is a snake. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine how traumatized I'd have been if I got that far. Yeah. You you did yourself a favor. <laughs> I did myself a favor by shutting it off when I did. Yeah. So the curse two, the bite. Um, what else did you have? I have a lot, I realized. Slap well, me. Okay. No, I'll say those because those are more boring well no i don't even know it's like how do you categorize these okay so the exorcist is one of my favorite movies i've said that many times anytime anyone wants to ask me about movies i watched it when i was very young i think i was like six years old i snuck up 
I was like being babysat at my godfather's house and my dad and my godfather were watching it upstairs and I snuck upstairs. The two options were my cousins were watching Terminator, which when I walked by was really scary. So then I went upstairs and they were watching The Exorcist and I sat and watched the entire movie behind the couch without them knowing in just dead fear the whole time, not understanding. Holy shit. But it made me want to be an actor. So it became so effective. But there's the, not even the scenes I've now seen a million times. I, I watch it several times a year. I, I love it so much. Yeah. But the scene in the beginning where the bed is shaking and it's it's a 30 second scene. Like she puts her to sleep. She puts Reagan to sleep. The mom puts her to sleep and she's like, OK, you're going to be OK. Like she's had her tests and all that and they don't know what's going on. And then the bed starts shaking and she starts screaming for her mom and she turns the light on and the bed is just shaking and shaking. And then she gets on the bed with her and it's still shaking. And there's just, it was just like the first time the mom saw something tangible and real was going on in the house. And I think when I was younger, that scene always got me because it felt like, see, why won't you listen to me? Like I had so much weird stuff happen to me as a child that I wanted my family and my parents and everybody to believe me about. And that scene was like, why can't I get one of the bed shaking scenes? But it scared me. I think about it every night of my entire life. I'm I'm 35 years old and I still think about it every night when I go to sleep. Is my bed going to shake? I can't believe you saw The Exorcist when you were six years old, dude. That would have ripped me up. I don't know if I would have come back from that. I mean, you think that it, you would think that it would have really fucked me hard, but it didn't. It actually inspired me, and I became so obsessed with Linda Blair. I ended up meeting her when I was older, like I was really? in my twenties, and um, she's just my hero. She's she's just she was just like my hero growing up, and none of my friends understood why because they couldn't watch The Exorcist. Yeah, because it was way too young. But that movie scared me, but not. I used to watch it when I was alone. Yeah, like it was not like. I'm alone. I'm going to watch The Exorcist. Just like as an adult now, when I'm alone, I'm like, I'm going to watch The Shining for the hundredth time this year. It's just something comforting about it. Like maybe it's because I got over the fear of it and it's not scary to me anymore that it's actually like, feels like my friends, but um, yeah. And there's so many scary scenes in that movie, obviously that are meant to be scary, but that first, that first bed shaking scene. And as a person who lived in California my whole life, I've woken up to so many earthquakes. And every mm-hmm. time an earthquake happens, and I've like I've been thrown out of my bed before, I always think, "Well, that's it. It's Captain Howdy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, um, The Shining ripped me up when I saw it for the first time, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to do. I did like a whole photo project about it. I remember because I don't think I saw it till I was in like middle school, and it still freaked me out. And I like took pictures of the screen from of certain scenes and like yeah, my mom showed me that when I was younger because she's a huge Stephen King fan and and that's her one of her favorite movies too. It's but her and I's both like bonding movie. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, I've got a book to talk about that I teased earlier. Um, scary stories to tell in the dark. I mean, yeah. surprise, surprise, we were all fucked up by it. Yeah, but I have a very vivid memory of the first book fair. When I went to buy, do they still do book fairs? I think they do. I think okay. they do. Um, but I went to the book fair and saw those books, and was like, "Oh, oh boy!" I mean, yeah. tailor made. And I remember a lot of the other kids weren't fucking with it. I was like, "Y'all see this? Y'all see this fucking creepy <laughs> shit?" 
And they were like, yeah, uh, it, we'll be over here with Where's Waldo and the Magic Eye books. So I got Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Magic Eye. You know, you're, yeah, you're just bringing me back to every <laughs> book fair I went to as a child. Yeah. How lucky were we? I know, we dude. With scary stories and magic eye books. <laughs> I know. And honestly, like, the shit people, I think the generation right after us was, like, all about goosebumps. I was like, God, I didn't fuck with fucking goosebumps, dude. I was on that hardcore shit. Yeah, I mean, I read all the goosebumps. But oh, okay. Well, that's tight. That's tight. That's tight. <laughs> um, but uh, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark specifically, and I don't know if you remember this one, but the one about the scarecrow called Harold. No. Oh, boy. Talk about fucking, I, I remember reading it in class, and I remember, if unless I invented this memory, that it was really overcast, I'm thinking it was a fall day in Maryland, and I remember sitting at my desk reading it, and I was like, okay, two dudes, are uh, they got a scarecrow friend, the scarecrow's alive, they're talking to it, okay, or they're kind of teasing him and all this stuff, and I'm into it, and I'm into it, and then the hard fucking left turn... The last bit of the story is that uh, Harold gets mad because they're teasing him a bunch. So he skins them both and puts their hides up on his the tin roof of the house to dry in the sun. What? Yeah. I don't think the principals of our schools knew that that content was being sold at the book fair. Yeah, dude. I was like, okay, last book I bought was Banicula. Yeah. Now I'm in fucking Lecter territory with Harold. Yeah. And it, I remember, like, shaking and closing the book and putting it down and just being like, what did I just read? I remember the image of it in my head. I was like, well, now I got that forever. Fuck. Yeah. So upsetting. But then I obviously went back for more and I wanted more and more. And out of all the things that sucked about the fucking new scary movies to tell in the dark, scary stories to tell in the dark movie. I don't, I won't watch it. It's, it's, I mean... I don't like going... Oh, well, this is not true. I was going to say I don't like going off on rants about how much shit sucks, but I usually do it to you. I don't do it on the podcast, though, I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying I don't do it on the podcast. Bread and butter. <laughs> what? That's your bread and butter. That's what you're good at. Yeah, that is my bread and butter, but I like to keep... Uh, I've been ranting a little bit on the podcast lately. Uh, ranted a couple times about not getting into like film festivals because I'm a baby. But... Yeah. Um, but I just there's just there's nothing to save from the scary movies to tell in the dark movies. Scary stories to tell in the dark movies. Jesus Christ. There's nothing to save from it. So normally I'd say, well, this was really good, or like, but honestly, they did do a good job with No, it all fucking sucked. It was all the wrong decision. Everything about that movie was the wrong decision. The era they placed it in, the way they decided to tell the stories, like the characters, all of it was just fucking shit. That the only other movie I'll publicly say that about is the Child's Play remake. Because there's a certain level of shittiness that demands public persecution. And I feel like the Child's Play remake demands that. And the scary movies to tell in the... God damn it! Scary stories to tell in the dark demands that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to publicly um, shit on any movies right now. Because I want the job. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually haven't seen either one of those. I have such a hard time with the remakes because they make me infuriated. So... Um, I can't, but I believe they, you. I don't know how they made that book into, there's, I don't see how that could have been successful considering. Yeah. You know why? It's because that was such a good, we're not supposed to see it. It's right. in our imagination. That's why it was so scary. Cause it was good writing. Right. And that's really hard to translate to screen in that way. But 
It but is. But you know what? Most kids that saw the new one never read that book, so it doesn't right. matter. Right, right. Um, I remember ranting to you when after I saw the Child's Play remake because oh, there's yeah. 20 minutes dedicated to having to retrieve a watermelon that has a man's face stapled onto it that oh, the lead yeah. character uh, accidentally gives to a neighbor as a gift. So what do you want to see in a Child's Play movie? A man having to get a watermelon back from his neighbor with a face on it? Is that what you want from a Child's Play movie? Then the Child's Play remake is for you. I personally want to see Brad Dorif as Chucky killing motherfuckers. Anyway. Okay. Oh. Is what? it my turn? Your turn. Uh, it, 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 I don't know. I had iced coffee before we recorded, so. Oh, I'm drinking wine, so we're literally going in the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> I'm like, burn it all down. I'll fucking talk more shit about horror I'm movies. I'm like, my screen is bright. I'm squinting. Who's next? <laughs> um. I think it's my turn. You I just think you should go next because I talked about scary stories to tell in the dark. All right. Um, okay. Well, we were talking about M. Night this morning. Yes. Um, the scene in The Sixth Sense, which is one of my favorite movies that I don't actually think about a lot. But when I rethink about it, it definitely affected me. It came along at a very good time in our lives. Um, the scene where he walks into the kitchen and follows who he thinks is his mother, but it's really a ghost of this woman who was abused by her husband and all the cupboard doors are and cabinets are open. And then I, does that later, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Does that later happen to his mom? Like she Dude, walked, in the I kitchen. don't remember. I haven't seen that movie in I think forever. She walks either. in the kitchen later in a different scene in all the cup or before either way. And all the cupboard doors are open that, that thing, that alone, that idea of all the cabinets and cupboards being open fucked me up my whole life because I grew up in I grew up in a haunted house on a haunted ranch where that kind of stuff happened and that stuff happened all the yeah. time. It happens in my basement where I am right now. This room right here is a hidden room behind me. Yeah. And it used to be a dark room back in the I don't know, 1920. And that door opens on its own and there's no reason to. It has a lock. Like it has a dang dude. But I think about that scene every single day of my life. And every time I walk in the kitchen and my boyfriend has left a cupboard open, I don't say anything to him because it's irrational. But I literally shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid of ghosts. But for some reason, that scene, the ghosts in that movie really get me. Well, they're I all very, like, emotionally driven. They're, they're very all... emotionally charged in every yeah. scene. They're living their life and he's just peeking into it. Yeah. So it's very scary. Like the kid with the head being blown off is very shocking. Like all those are very shocking. And it's Does, not like you see the thing happen. You don't need to. You just right. see the emotion of the ghost afterwards. And that is um, thrilling. Thrilling. Do you, thrilling. isn't there, isn't there like a lady in the kitchen that yells at him or something? That's her. That's yeah, she ghost. yells at him. She said he stop it. She yells at him and is like yelling at her husband. Like she's projecting yeah. to. That's freaky. Osmond that he's the husband and she's like look what you did to me and she's all beat up and her wrists are slashed so she, oh, boy. she killed herself and her wrists are bleeding and yeah I mean that must have messed him up too I wonder I don't remember how it was shot was he definitely in the scene with her no it's not even an over it's I think that they probably could have shot it without him but I think he was pretty mature at that time like you know he's, he's of the Macaulay Culkin era so it's like yeah I think they just put kids through it then. I think now you would cover, you would move around it and you wouldn't have the kid be in the scene. But um, 
Well, you remember, you, you probably know all of these little tidbits, but you know some of the tricks that Kubrick used on on the young Danny Torrance, right? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, but let's talk about it some more. Yeah. <laughs> Just that he, I guess, supposedly said, you know, act like you're on a roller coaster and and mm-hmm. tried to use terms that the kid would understand and also that wouldn't traumatize him, which it, which is a surprise because he was supposedly so rough on Shelley Duvall but I guess with the kid, yeah, he directed him in ways that a kid would understand and said, you're about to go over a roller coaster and you're scared. Oh, instead of saying there's a dead naked woman in a bathtub or there's two kids in front of you that got axed to death, yeah. which uh, I think is cool. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I feel like I've, I've done a lot. I mean, I've done a lot of horror movies, not a lot of work with kids, but everything I've ever done with kids, even on when I was on Magicians, like, I don't think we kept the kids from it. I think they were always in the scene. Really? Yeah, I think they were always just really smart, emotionally intelligent, or we would hope. Yeah. Every kid I've ever worked with. I don't know if I've ever been in that, but also I don't think I've ever sh- shot anything uh, as scary as The Shining. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to put Child's Play on my list because. Child's Play is on my list as well. So I think right. we should combine it. We can combine our Child's Play experiences. We can end on Child's Play. It might be fitting since it's a shared experience. Unless there was anything else on the list that you definitely wanted to get out there. I mean, I have more on the list, but they're not as important. I have cool. child. I have. Well, these are my three. Yeah. That I haven't talked about. Uh, Child's Play and Leprechaun. Yeah. And the Langoliers. Holy shit. Langoliers King. enters the chat. Yeah, no one expected that. For the first time ever. Langoliers has never entered any chat. Well, wait a minute. Now, is it Langoliers or Tommyknockers that has the eating of the world? That is the Langoliers. Now, That's Tommy the Langoliers. Now, is by far a way scarier movie. Tommyknockers scared the shit out of me. But, but you know, I must have processed it fine because it didn't affect me as an adult. But the Langoliers, I, I can't even say it. Langoliers? Langoliers, uh, yeah. It's I just remember, one. like, my mom is obsessed with Stephen King. So when that movie came out, she freaked out. And I remember I was napping on the couch or sleeping on the couch and I woke up to that movie being on like probably like 10 minutes in or something. So I didn't even know we were watching it. And I just was glued to it the whole time. And the moment, I don't know if you've seen it where everybody I saw when it came out, but not since then. So it's like all these people on a plane fall asleep. And when they wait, it's like a twilight zone episode. They wake up and there's a few of them on the plane they're on. I don't even know. I don't even know what the Langoliers are and why they're eating everything. But the moment when they wake up and no one else is on the plane, fucked me up so bad yeah and i think about it every time i fly and it's why i hate flying and it's why i can't sleep on planes because of the langoliers every time i wake up i feel like i'm gonna turn and no one's gonna be there yeah yeah it's simple it's such a simple thing i mean i feel like yeah i feel like twilight zone did it a million times the yeah. same thing but that scared me and at the end too when when they're eating everybody but you know it's funny as i googled it before we did this and i watched the scene like the finale scene where yeah. like and the the vfx are so bad yeah they're so bad they look like a little kid like cut out of paper and was like i don't remember i gotta look it up yeah you gotta look it up but the langoliers no, uh, leaves the chat. We can talk about Leprechaun. Well, there. wait. Let's keep Langoliers in the chat for one minute more because can you guess the main, the one reason I watched the Langoliers when it was on TV? I don't know if you'll remember this detail about it, but it oh. <clears throat> electrified me. 
who? Was it one of the actors? Yes, there was one reason why. I actually don't even remember the cast other than the bad guy. There's one reason why a young Andy Bowser turned on uh, the TV to watch the Langolier. Langolier's TV movie. The answer of this so much faster. I don't even know, actually. You want me to tell you or you want to Google yeah. it and see if you can well, guess? I'm looking. Patricia? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Aristotle put Jeopardy music on over this part. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Does no I one think Bronson who played hey. that guy? Is that who it is? Balky motherfucking Bartakamus. That's who did it for me. He's he he's the only character in the movie I remember. The, the idea, I was like, y'all got Balky up in this shit, and that <laughs> it wasn't, and that he wasn't playing Balky. I just remember being like. I guess I didn't know you could do that. Like I thought when you got it, when you were an actor, you were like, you that was your job. Your job was Balky. <laughs> and I don't know how long at what year was Langoliers? I mean, that was a while. I don't know. Um, it was a while after uh, Perfect off. Strangers. Langoliers was ninety five. Yeah. And uh, oh man, gosh, Perfect Strangers must have ended in like ninety one or something. Hold on. Let me see. 93. So it was only two years yeah. later that I got slapped with Balky in a Stephen King movie. And I was there for it. I didn't watch Perfect Strangers, though. Who? Should oh. I? You said, should you? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. You, but also, did you ever watch Family Ties? Yeah, I did, but I, I, I didn't really like Family I don't. I don't know what to say to that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> family ties and fights and disagreements we've had. What a family ties. Yeah. Like Fifteen no. years of knowing each other. That's what ends it. It would. Yeah. I mean, if you watched it now as an adult and st and told me like, "Hey, Bows, guess what? I fucking hate Family Ties." <laughs> I would be like, "Okay, that's cool. Let's let's take a week a week off of uh, the friendship. Just we'll circle up in a little bit." Um. <laughs> Family tie. If you put family ties, perfect strangers, and Alf in a blender, mm. you then you would get my DNA. Well, wait a sec. Alf is. I've seen every episode of Alf, and Alf still to this day scares me to death. Really, Alf scares you. Still does. Yeah, it's that puppet factor. So my it's best the puppets. Serena loves Alf, and she still watches it. Like it's like her like friends all the time to stay calm and she watches Alf and every time it's on my blood pressure rises and my heart starts racing he I don't trust him it, yeah well you shouldn't trust Alf yeah uh, no. is it uh is it when they use the shots of an actual person in the suit so you can see his legs running across the floor oh don't even wait I'm home alone tonight we and, can't when he, Alf. and when we he walks out to join. Else. yeah <laughs> when he walks out to join the family photo yeah. I tell you oh, right now I tell you right the fuck now I don't even want to say this next sentence because someone's going to fucking steal it and do it. I want to make a horror reboot of ALF. And I stake my claim and I put my name on it. So anyone that's listening to this, don't fucking send an email tomorrow about your idea for a horror reboot of ALF. Yeah, it happened here. We know it. We'll it happened here. Copyright Andrew Bowser, even though I do not own ALF. I'm fucking making a horror reboot of it. Get ready. And you know what? If we can't get the rights, then we're calling it ORLF. And I'm making it anyway. O R L F. Orlf. Okay. Okay. Let's let's wrap it up with Child's Play and Leprechaun. Now I don't have a relationship with Leprechaun, even as a horror fan. I don't. Wow. 
Yeah, I think I've only seen the first one, and I don't even know if I've seen it all the way Look, through. Look, none of the other ones matter. They just get silly. But the first one scares the living hell out of me. And I don't know. I actually can't remember specific scenes. I remember moments. I remember him going in his little little bicycle thingy down the hallway scared me. And him running through the woods. I don't. He just scared me. I was always afraid of creatures growing up. So he, he's, I, 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 I don't even, I wish I had a better scene. That's why I combined him with Child's Play because I think I've mixed up scenes between the two movies. Totally. Because it's like tiny little scary little terrorizing assholes that scare the living hell out of me. Yeah. It is something about, about um, the idea that they can sneak into small spaces, yeah. pop up in small places that they they can be very unexpected. There's something scarier about that that you could walk into your bedroom and we don't know. He could be crouched in the corner of that shadow. Whereas oh, yeah. That's way scarier than any big any big bad. Way yeah, scarier. Any big beefy bad boy. Yeah, um, I'm like these bad boys are welcome any day. It's just those little Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them little lurkers. The little lurker turkers. Those little lur- lurky turkers, you can't, you got to get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, did you see Leprechaun in a theater? Did you get it on VHS? Like, what, did you rent it? Was that something you and friends watched? Um, I think that it was on VHS rented from Blockbuster. Um, yeah. It was a, a little known company back when we were younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I remember watching it at the time I lived in Bakersfield. Um. <laughs> And uh, I remember my parents renting it, and I watched it alone upstairs. Yet again, alone. People, my family just, I mean, my parents are great. I had a great childhood, but a lot of terror, terrifying movies I was left alone watching. <laughs> Dude, there, I mean, when I finally got into horror films, which admittedly wasn't until I was a teenager, get off my ass, um, I rented so many, and I watched them on my TV VCR, just full focus. There's no fucking computer or fucking phone to be on. Just yeah. popped it into that glow and just sat there and fucking alone. Every time I, most movies I've watched, I've watched alone. Yeah. I prefer it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hashtag sad boy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what's your memory of Child's Play? How did that rip its way into your life? Uh, same. I think my sister was watching it with a friend or something. I don't, Child's Play is still the scariest movie to me, the first one is—it's st- still the scariest movie that exists. Like that, it's—I mean, it's so cliche, but I'm afraid of dolls and I'm afraid of clowns, and he's a clown-like looking doll. So it's—it was just—it's just too much. Um, mm-hmm. It's too much. I don't have a specific scene, but there's just something about it. again, he's real. It's a real-life puppet person playing this thing. So when he puts his hands around things, it's—it's it's not CGI. So it was just oh. I don't like it. I didn't like dolls growing up. I had this one doll growing up um, in that same room. I remember being in a crib and it was, it was like the female version of Chucky. It was like a very life size. So it was oh, taller wow. than me when I was little. It was bigger than me. It must have been my older sisters that got passed down to me. And she scared the hell out of me. And I would closet when no one was around because of Chucky. Like, I was always so scared of dolls. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I'm going off topic. No, I no, 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 you're not. Take it back because you broke up for me, but I feel like what you just said really connects with my story. You, did you say you put your doll in the closet because you oh, were scared yeah. of I Chucky? Kept all, I kept all my dolls in the closet. All my dolls. I had a weird relationship with my dolls growing up because I'm so scared of them. 
So I was such a tomboy and, and a little, little rough rider. I always wanted to like chop their hair off and like draw on them and make, and, and make them less girly and just yeah. make them really weird. But then I'd be so scared that I um, like disrespected them and they were going to come back and kill me at night. I mean, so we I are bonded by this. You too? Yes. How have we never talked about this? The shame of doll, like the fear and shame of owning dolls is a real thing. And rejecting them. Yeah. So I believe it was Child's Play 2 was was hitting the hitting the waves. Um, uh, let me check the year on that so I don't get my horror card revoked. But uh, Child's Play 2 was slapping its way into, yeah, that would that would track. Um, slapping its way into the world in 1990, and there were TV spots. And I swear to God that in one of the TV spots, Chucky says, "Hi, Andy," or "I'm coming for you, Andy." Yeah, that that mm-hmm. was my fucking name. Oh my dude. god! Oh my god! I've never <laughs> thought about that, Bass. That's so messed yeah. up. So <laughs> I weeks before, weeks before Child's Play Two is slapping its way out. I buy a My Buddy doll. Oh, and I had been, why? I, well, I didn't know Child's Play 2. I'm saying before I even saw a trailer oh, for Child's oh, Play I 2. Okay. I was like, um, Mom, Dad, there's this doll. It's My Buddy, and it fucking rips. Look at the, the commercials. They have the song and the kid in the commercials having such a fucking good time. I have to have this doll, or I won't be a happy child. I was obsessed with the idea of getting My Buddy. My Buddy, My Buddy, My Buddy, My Buddy, talking about it for weeks Finally, I get my buddy. It's like night one or two of owning my buddy, and I see that fucking Child's Play TV promo for I'm coming for you, Andy. And I was like, well, I'm fucked. Yeah, and you already have him. And I already have him. Yeah. And I tried to push through, man. I was like, I'd look at my buddy doll and be like, it's not Chucky. It's my buddy. That evil doll is a different doll. And it just got to be too much. And I took my buddy into my parents' room one night, and I said, so look, uh, I'm having a problem with my buddy. I need you to put him in your closet because he's scaring the shit out of me. And my mom was like, okay, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And so she put him in the back of her closet, and I still remember her kind of shoving him down behind, like, some clothes and a footstool or something, and him just looking back at me as she closed her doors. And I thought, Oh, he's going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. He is coming for me one night. He's going to be so angry that I locked him away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the fear of dolls in that context, it shaped me. Yeah. Even as an adult, like I had, I had Furbies. I had a lot of Furbies because... I thought they were cute. I love stuffed animals. I have so many of them. But the second I got a Furby, I thought it would be so fun. But, but really, they're terrifying. But then they own you. Wait, what um, do you mean they own you? Well, you have to take care of them. They oh, so them you're they like want. beholden so they're like, to they're them. Like, they're like, you know, like a Tamagotchi, which I also had and owned me. Like all these little inanimate objects. And <laughs> owned me. They yeah. owned me. I'm not even joking. <laughs> the first time my Furby, like, opened its eyes and was like and like you have to feed and you have to do all these things to take care of it i was it was i was it owned me and and um (laughs) 
Uh, what's funny is I I shot on an episode of my show. We had a Furby in a scene. Like it was, we had a pile of junk, and we were supposed to like take things apart and like use a piece of mechanics. And there was a Furby in there. And I, after we were done filming, I was like, "Can I keep that Furby? Because I'm still obsessed with them. Because yeah. they're, they're like adorable. Because they own you, yeah. Yes. And I took, and it was a gross old Furby that clearly had been through the ringer for the last like 25 years. And I took it home. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I have to take care of this Furby now. Oh, my gosh. It still did. worked. It still functioned. It still functioned. Um, you know, shout out to Furbies. And Furby yeah, dude, Furby. resilient. Yeah, I know. But then my boyfriend's mom's cousin's child, who's young, saw it and was like, oh, can I have it? And he was like, young. I don't want to do his voice. He, he could barely talk. And I like he like took the Furby from me. And I was so hurt. I was like, I would like to keep my Furby, please. But then I realized this is probably the way it should go. It's now his burden. So, yeah, um, right. Anyways. That could have become an albatross around your neck. Getting rid of that Furby was probably clutch. Probably probably a good idea. Anyways. Oh, my. Well, so you were scared of little, even though the Furby doesn't present itself to be evil in any way, you didn't relate it to any other monster. It was just. No, it doesn't matter. He's not, they're not menacing in any way, but I still. Yeah. It's the same thing with dolls and any kind of creature. In a movie, yeah. it's just, you have to respect it. If you don't respect it, they kill you. That's what I learned from Chucky. That's what Child's Play did to me. I, everyone, I still have stuffed animals from when I was an infant. And I take care yeah. of them because I'm terrified. If I don't, they might kill me. I'm still haunted by a stuffed animal that I lost as a kid. And I don't even remember what it was anymore, but I know it, it was black, white, and red. And I think it was pretty small and round. I wonder if it was like a penguin or some shit. I was going to say, I it maybe a penguin with a root Maybe. But I remember losing it as a kid, and it, it drove me insane because I couldn't find it anywhere. But it, I never left my room with my stuffed animals. Not this one. I didn't take it outside or even take it downstairs from what I remember. And uh, I had a nightmare one night that it was so angry at me and it, it had gotten lost in my closet and then like burrowed under the rug, uh, under the carpet, and then like came up like a fucking tremor no. and it was pissed off. Um, and I think about that all the time. It's all because I lost him. Well, Olivia, I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. You just looked very concerned. Was it about my Furby tremor story or whatever the fuck? Well, I mean, like, was? wasn't he technically be called a graboid? Yeah, a graboid, totally. The tremors are the They're tremors. Yeah. But that's not what that face was. That face was, I had a question, which, before we end, um, which child's play was it where the, he gets stabbed in the car from underneath the car? That's number one. It is number one. Okay, yeah. that scene fucks me up, and I still, every time I make it, every time I get in my car, yeah. I think about I have crystals under my car seat. Anything I can do to keep <laughs> stabbing me in the ass. Yeah, exactly. That's a great scene. And Chris Sarandon yeah, plays the cop. And Chris Sarandon rips hard. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I was born in an era where that stuff still worked on me. I listened to a horror podcast a few months ago, and they were talking about Child's Play. And they were like, you know, it's campy. You know, it's cheesy. You know, you see, I don't know. I, like, I, I get what they're going for, but... but they were already of a generation that they can't even see past whatever practical effects maybe didn't quite work. Right. Their eyes are, I don't know. But then we just said we that young kids are, special, we didn't have visual effects like they do now when we were yeah. young. So the yeah. thing scared us. Yeah. And even though I may wish I was a few years younger all the time, when I think about being so much younger that I don't like child's play, well, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I'm a few years younger than you. Yes, um, you are. <laughs> 
Yes, you are. And it still All worked on do. you. So it still yeah. worked on me. But a few years younger than me. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be a few years younger than Olivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could stand to be a few years younger than myself. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, we're lucky. we're lucky kids. We're lucky kids. So what I was going to do at the end of the show, and it's up to you whether or not you want to stick around for this, but I was going to read a listener story as Onyx. Love it. Oh my, are we, you kidding? <laughs> we've yes, been doing please. that. <laughs> we've been doing that at the end of episodes. Um, so let me, um, let me pull up uh, a listener story that Jess sent me earlier. Okay. This one is called Hillview Manor. Ooh. And the only thing that gets tricky of reading these uh, as Onyx is sometimes it'll say, my name is Jason or I'm married. So, you know, it's Onyx uh, with a twist. Okay. Uh, my name is Onyx. You can share my name if you read this. Actually, it's Jason. Uh, I'm listening to your latest episode with Connor Gossel, and his mention of Hillview Manor gave me chills and reminded me of a brief encounter with the weird I experienced there. I don't know. I live in Newcastle, and when I was a teenager, I was pretty obsessed with ghost hunting, and Hillview Manor was the one place we always wished we could get into, but were never able to. Years after I lost interest, it was open to the public, and the owners now take reservations for people who do their own investigations. Last Halloween, I was working for a food delivery service and was asked to deliver pizzas to a group of teenage girls at Hillview Manor. I was given instructions to call when I arrived, as they would be locked in for the night and would be spread out around the building. When I arrived, I was greeted by an older gentleman. He opened the door as I approached and motioned for me to enter. I did, and the large door slammed loudly behind me. My hands full, I asked if he knew where I should put the food, and without saying anything, his gaze quickly went toward a nearby hallway. I looked the same direction, to my right, and saw flashlights down the hall as some of the girls approached, worriedly calling out, Who's there? They noticed the boxes in my hands, and they recognized where I was from, but they asked me how I got into the building. I looked back to my left, and the man was gone. I told them, somebody let me in, and as I said it, one of them went for the door and told me it was still locked, and nobody else was in the building except for them. They let me out, and I returned to work. At the time, I thought they were trying to prank me, and I didn't have the time for it, but now, I think it was something more. I don't know. Thanks for reading. Love the show. Stay safe and wear a mask. Jason. Uh, um... So that honestly sounds like a good setup for an Onyx movie. He delivers a pizza to a ghost man. It's perfect. Yeah. That's wild. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, that man let me in. What man? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I live for that. I yeah. wish it happened more often. I know. I know. Um, well, thank you so much. I thank had you. a blast. This was so much fun. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect discussion in time for for Halloween, uh, which happens just a few days from now. Do you have any Halloween plans? Uh, stay inside and lock the doors. <laughs> Hell no. yeah! Hell yeah! I'm, I, I, my imagination is is even bigger than it was when I was younger, so I'm terrified of Halloween actually leaving my house. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, All right. When I said that, there was a huge explosion outside. Did you hear that? Uh, yeah, I heard. I heard it through your end. I, oh, I now oh, I hear okay. it over where I am. You're Holy crap! Yeah, we don't live too far from each other, so we always hear the same. Explosions. Yeah, it's the Langoliers. It's the Langoliers. <laughs> no, All I'm right. staying. I'm probably watching a scary movie. What are you guys doing? Uh, same. I think we're gonna watch a, a scary movie outside with a couple friends. We're gonna do a little projector on a on a wall type of thing outside. But I think we're watching Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been programming. Yeah. I know. It's risky. I've been programming Halloween movies all month for my friends and I to watch over Zoom. And I'm ending on Ernest Scared Stupid. And I don't know what I'm thinking. Langoliers, dude. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I surprised them with Langoliers. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, I'll do my little NPR sign off here. Uh, This has been Andrew Bowser. And you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join The Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.